Hey guys, I'm here for week 42. I do have a couple uh, guest reviews. Jeremy's going to sit in for a couple of these reviews. I think I have uh, six different uh, releases to cover, and uh, I think it's maybe eight different movies, so we got that going. I also have a pick a movie. I have some questions and a very, very tiny update. Uh, as always, you can uh, listen to the audio version over at the Shut Up Brandon feed on Podbean, or you can check it out on iTunes if you subscribe. Uh, the Screaming Toilet uh, page, or the link is in below. Is where you, there's more information on all the releases, uh, the place to ask your question, a place to enter the pick a movie competition, all sorts of stuff. That's pretty much where you want to go. Uh, the videos are hosted at YouTube as always. So uh, let me hop right into this. Uh, Mill Creek released these. They're coming out uh, March 6, I believe. And this is the first of the Hammer Films uh, double feature here. They released a couple previously as well. But this is Maniac and Die Die My Darling. Yeah. Uh, I actually kind of like what they're doing here because I know that Indicator overseas in the UK released some of these. And uh, they, they look like very nice releases, but they're a bit pricey. And uh, stuff like Maniac and Die Die My Darling are, are a couple hammer kind of thrillers that I hadn't seen. And to drop that, uh, you know, that 30 that 20 25 $30 on one release that you're not sure of, is, it's a bit pricey. But these are, these are priced at $8 right now, $9 on Amazon. So I was like... That's awesome. Regardless, uh, let me hop right into this. Maniac is a black and white movie that follows, uh, it opens up. These are all kind of, uh, these these Hammer movies all have these kind of nasty subject matters, although they are much more tame by today's standards. Um, but uh, Maniac opens up with a rape and then a revenge. Uh, not a lot is shown. Even the killer's face isn't shown, but you know it's the victim's uh, father. Uh, we fast forward a few years later in this. Uh, this is in France. Uh, there's this American who has an argument with his uh, his uh, girlfriend, and she leaves him there. He uh, ends up getting taken in by the innkeeper, and he starts this relationship with the innkeeper and her daughter, who was the rape victim. Uh, we find out that the father's been put in a mental institution. The mother's not happy with it. And uh, this weird relationship starts with the uh, love triangle, and they start to kind of con him in and maybe breaking out uh, the father from the insane asylum. But there's a whole bunch of twists. There's a whole bunch of turns. Um, at the end of the day, this one, uh, you kind of forget a lot about it, but it's 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 a well-made movie. And uh, the thing I really enjoy is the choice of weapon from the killer. It's actually a blowtorch. It's uh, pretty intense, pretty scary. And there's moments where they leave and they... Uh, they come back and the blowtorch is just going on and is on on the garage hitting something and it's like a nice little foreshadow what's possibly going to happen and that's uh, basically how the, the dad killed the uh, rapist originally. Uh, the twist is uh, pretty ridiculous. There's no way you could guess it. Uh, I don't even know if they give you enough information to guess it. Uh, and uh, the lead character is played as a likable guy although he's, you know, uh, trying to sleep with the innkeeper, trying to sleep well relationships with the innkeeper and the daughter and you're like this is just kind of bizarre and weird. This is like a, a middle-aged man here. I mean it's a different time. It's a different place. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's an interesting movie. It looks good. Uh, I thought it looked damn good. Um, you know, there's no... It's a bare-bones release, but... Uh, it looks and sounds pretty damn good. It, it looks crisp, all the picture stuff. Uh, it's black and white. It looks, it looks nice. And there's like a little femme fatale stuff going on here as well.
Uh, the other feature on here, Die Die My Darling. This one's a little bit more interesting to me. This was a screenplay written by Richard Nathanson, who I love, who wrote the legendary novella I Am Legend. Great, great novella. If you haven't read that, check it out. He also wrote uh, the original uh, Tiki Man story for a trilogy of terror, which is also excellent. But uh, Die Die My Darling uh, follows the story. This is, again, a mouthful uh, of this uh, girl visiting Britain and uh, her original fiancé. She has a new fiancé now, original fiancé who died under tragic circumstances, family she never got to meet. She uh, decides to go meet them on her own uh, to, you know, to kind of, like, lay things at rest, get pe get at peace for her, for her and for the mother and the family. When she gets there, she realizes this family is odd. This is a very bizarre family. Uh, the matriarch of the family is a very uh, overbearing, intimidating, religious uh, zealot and uh, her performance is, is is very interesting. You get to see into her her backstory a little bit, and you realize she's tortured and uh, she's madly obsessed with her son. And she has all these twisted looks at religion. And uh, she starts at first she's uh, she's making suggestions. You should stay. You need to stay. You need to do this. You need to do that. And uh, before long, it's 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 leading into that direction where it's going to be held against her will. Uh, Donald Sutherland is a is a part of the family. He plays kind of this mute uh, slow guy. This is a couple years before the dirty dozen so that was kind of his breakthrough role uh and peter vaughn's in here as well uh he was in a sam peckinpah movie straw dogs uh where he has one of the most brilliant lines in the movie uh and uh, the guy says and everybody knows nobody works well with whiskey and he stands up and says i work well with whiskey and he says quiet tom the guy rebuttals quiet tom you haven't worked a day in your life that is one of my favorite moments i believe that's him who says it uh but he also appears, uh, which is more uh, in line with this movie, in Symptoms with uh, Donald Pleasant's daughter, which is an excellent thriller as well. But uh, this one I really enjoyed. It, it predates like the kind of crazy family, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style, where she's trying to escape. In the middle, it does hit to that point where it just feels like each escape isn't more daring than the next, and it's like we're getting into this routine here. But uh, I actually really enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the, the relationships between the family. I, I love the performance of the lead baddie. She's great. She reminds me of maybe something like a a psychotic uh if you were to kind of collide um, Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with maybe like a, a Betty Davis style character, but uh, I really like Die Die My Darling. I know that it's probably not the favorite of the two, and uh, it doesn't look as crisp. Maybe maybe it's not as uh, shot as well as a uh, Maniac, but. I like it better, and the ending has some Mario Bava, Dario Argento-style lighting, really beautiful teals and uh, uh, violets and stuff, which I really enjoyed. I would recommend checking these out, especially at the price point. They look good, they sound good, especially for older movies from the 60s, from Hammer movies. If you haven't seen these ones, I, I would recommend checking them out. You're going to the three horseshoes. Is that the only public house in this bloody town? Yes, that's where I'm going. You're going to see that girl, aren't you? Supposing I tell Mrs. Trefoil. <laughs> You're not going to tell her, are you, Anna? You love me, don't you? <laughs> Harry! 
for the first guest review here, uh, it's actually Never Take Candy from a Stranger. I think it's actually called Never Take Sweets from a Stranger in the UK and uh, Scream of Fear. Uh, Jeremy actually didn't watch Never Take Candy from a Stranger, so let me hop into that one alone. Uh, this is a very strange movie. Again, the, a lot of these Hammer thriller movies start off with, like, they have a really, really disturbing subject matter, but they're just done in a tame way. Like, they tackle these really adult, serious, heavy issues, but they're done... More tame than today's standards, like I said. But Never Take Candy from a Stranger follows this uh, family that moves into this small town. Um, he's the new principal. And almost immediately his daughter has this encounter with this old perverted man who um, has her stripped nude for candy. Uh, unfortunately for uh, this family, they go to the police and tell everything they know. And they want to press charges. But this guy is the father of like the guy who runs this town, basically. They were the founders of the sawmill. Uh, it saved the town. That's pretty much the whole gist of it. So they're basically fighting corruption here. They're fighting victim blaming. And uh, they're, they're tackling issues of pedophilia in this movie. Uh, in the opening, it says this could ha this is not a true story. This could happen anywhere. This is in Canada. And I was like, I was scratching my head at those lines. I was like, was that, were they like in trouble that they had to put this in Canada? Like they were like, well, we don't want America to know that. But I think the, it turns into a courtroom drama at points. It is a, it's a fairly decent courtroom drama. Very standard though with the, the villainous uh, uh, defense attorney and, you know, like the helpless uh, prosecutor at one point and the fair judge. But uh, it turns into this uh, courtroom case, and they're saying, my lord, my lord. And that, you know, that's very typical in the UK, and I, I imagine that it is in Canada as well, which I did not know, uh, unless it's a mistake in the movie. But uh, regardless, uh, the main issue, the only real issue with the movie, it's a fairly well-made movie. It, it gets hokey at times, and that, that, that comes from the portrayal of the actual pedophile old man. Uh, there's points when he's shambling after the girls towards the end, and uh, instead of, you know, being like a predator or conniving they play him as he's mentally ill which you know they are but in a different kind of way but he's played more like he's like a universal monster like a frankenstein's monster shuffling through like the the woods in, in a rather kind of embarrassing way and uh at points he seems real evil and pervy and at other points he's like he seems just silly and also uh sympathetic which i don't like he's portrayed very oddly and he's just like carrying this bag of candy and just like ah, it's just it's just too much it's just very very dated scene but besides that the movie looked good uh it sounded good and uh it's fairly impactful especially this moment when the girl tells the parents what happened and uh her innocence she doesn't know she tells it as a matter of fact that she doesn't know she did anything wrong and uh, it's just very disturbing watching the parents and grandmother's face during that whole exchange. Never mind. 
Never mind. I know somewhere where you can get some candy for nothing. Come on. The other one on here is Scream of Fear, which uh, I do think is a, a stronger film, uh, actually. Now, you watched this one with me. Yeah, I watched that one. Um, it's we, Go ahead. We watched that one in two settings because he started it, and then we had to call it a night, and I was committed to watching the oh, second half because I got hooked. We, I actually had to watch it in two settings because it was so late when I put it in, and mm -hmm. uh, you know I was just going to check it out, but I got sucked in and started watching. I was like, i got to finish this later. Uh, if that tells you anything, it's a very intriguing storyline. It, it follows the story of uh, a girl in a wheelchair. Uh, so you got that setting where she's in this scary situation, and she's in a wheelchair, so she's a little bit more helpless than your typical, you know, uh, I guess... Um, protagonist and also she might have something mentally going on with her so you have an unreliable narrator unreliable uh main character so you're not sure if everything that's happening is actually happening so this sets up for some really great dream logic moments and some really good scares and uh, uh some twisty turnative twisty turny narrative that uh, you don't really know where it's going uh my, one of my favorite moments is uh when she first gets to this house what happens is uh, her, uh, it's, it's about a strange daughter. She's coming back to visit her father after an accident and, uh, her father's remarried. She hasn't seen her father in 10 years. And when she gets there, all there is the stepmother and she doesn't know where her father is. And, uh, it's, nothing seems right. There's a doctor played by Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. And you did know Christopher Lee's up to something, and uh, the chauffeur. So she starts to snoop around, and uh, she has this weird moment where she goes into the summer house at night, and uh, she sees her father sitting there like this, and his head tilts down, and it's terrifying. She realizes in that moment he's dead, and it builds tension, and she just has this terrible scream that just echoes through the whole damn thing. Ugh, kills your ears. It's a great moment. Yeah, they they play with like, is he dead or is he not? Is he away? I think. My only real criticism of the movie is that it takes a while to cement something. It's the same scenario played over two or three times, yes. and they could have done it in once, but it's not bad. It's pretty good. Um, the stepmom, what was her name? Oh, she reminds me of Pamela Voorhees. Yeah, I'm not sure she, what... <laughs> yeah she, she was amazing in it. Um, and she hasn't come across as, like, a villainous, and I, I think as, a, as you're watching it, you're like... Well, she's a stepmom. She has to be the villain, but she she's actually really nice and sweet. And even during some of the twists, you're like, oh, okay, maybe she's not bad. Maybe she is. You're really not sure. It starts to lead somewhere where it's got to be that, but uh, you don't want it to be that, but it has to be that. But there is a twist at the end of this movie where you won't see it coming because the whole movie is like framed and it has this re like in the opening, it has this girl drowning, they're pulling this body out, and uh, the whole the setting changes, and you completely forget about that opening until the very ending, which is really great that it brings it back and you're like, duh, okay. Uh, there's a great motif about uh, drowning and being like the fear of water. It happens several times car in the water, uh, the, the uh, body hidden in in the water, mm -hmm. somebody drowning in the opening. Uh, there's a lot to do with water, a lot to do with fear of drowning, and uh, that plays in very well in the movie, and the, the opening and the ending come together with that. Uh, it's a really nice, nice, well-made uh, thriller uh, movie, and it's definitely about that kind of time where, like, you know, like stuff where... Um, Rosemary's Baby is being made, where you're like, I don't know if this person's crazy or telling the truth, uh, and then, there, of course, there's going to be some twists and turns here. I thought the picture quality looked great. I thought it sounded good. Uh, there's not much to say besides that. It's a bare-bones disc, but a great price point. Yeah. 
Great movie. I uh, loved it. Did you? I did. Scream of Fear? Yeah, I, I thought it was damn solid as well. I think it's called Taste of Fear in the UK. It's strange that the titles are changed. But uh, Christopher Lee doesn't get a lot to do, but a little bit of Christopher Lee is always good in everything. Yeah. Unless it's maybe Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. He's fine I've in never it. Seen that. <laughs> <laughs> he hates that movie. But uh, yeah, recommend both of them. Uh, interesting movies from the time. One uh, dated a little bit better than the other one. But uh, yeah, check it out. Well, it's good you recommend both because they come together. You got no choice. If you want one, you get the other. Alright, the next one here is from Arrow Academy. And this could have been released on the Arrow label. I know it is very artsy, but it is is almost a genre horror movie, man. It is a unique movie. It's by Robert Altman, director of MASH, uh, Nashville, a bunch of other stuff. You know, he's like one of the quintessential American directors. I'm mostly familiar with MASH, of course. Like I think most people are. But, uh, oh boy, images. It's a strange, super bizarre movie that... Uh, is so damn unique. It's framed by a children's story about a woman writing a children's story, but it's a big movie about schizophrenia and the fear of schizophrenia and paranoia and images. And there's a line in this movie where it says, I don't have enough pieces to, f to finish this puzzle. And that sums up everything. I don't have enough left in my brain <laughs> to fix my life. I, it's it's a wonderfully beautiful movie. I've never seen a movie look this damn good in a long time. It's shot in Ireland. Is it shot in that, Ireland? That's why it Is looks that? so okay. amazingly beautiful. But they wanted it to be like a, a location where you couldn't pinpoint where it was. A fantasy world. Dude, almost. some of those locations were stunning. Like it, it seemed like out of like straight up fantasy, like a video game, oh. like... It yeah. works so well, too, because they have the fantasy book she's writing. Right. And which... she's narrating over it the whole time. We can talk about the book in a moment. You re you actually ordered I, the book? I, I ordered the book because, like, the op the opening, uh, well, throughout the whole movie, like, she's, you know, she's writing this book and she's working on this book. And that's kind of why she wants to go on the retreat. Yeah. And throughout the movie, they read dialogue. And as this dialogue's going on, I'm like, man, if this were a book, I'd really want to read it. It, it like... Made me think of like books I read as a kid, like Never Ending Story, just something really fantastical. And then by the end of the movie, it's like, oh, it's based off a book. And like, like, the, but that narration, yeah. like the 
book that the... I don't want to say the movie's based off the book, but the book that's in the movie is a real book, and it's just a children's book. It's like 90 pages. And she was actually writing that book when they were making it. So it exactly. might not actually be the same if you listen to the commentaries and stuff, which is like, who does the commentary? Kat Ellinger and someone else, and they do a fantastic job. They're, they're fountains of knowledge, and they, they know a lot about this kind of stuff. But I love the performance of the lead. She's just so great. She's playing dual roles. And you know what's funny is, this might not be a straight-up horror movie. I would put it in the horror category because it scared the shit out of me. There's a mm -hmm. couple moments that are so jarring and so horrific that I was just unsettling to a T. There's a point where they talk about it in the commentary, and it's it's probably everybody's favorite scene because it's so good. Stephen Thrower talks about it, actually, in the appreciation of on here. There's tons of features on here. Uh, Altman, partial commentary, commentary with Ken Ellinger, interviews and stuff like that with the lead actress. Uh, but the scene where... She's she's watching at, on a mountaintop, looking down at this car pull up to the cabin. And all of a sudden, we cut to the person, get out of the car, which is her, look up to the mountain and see that person on the mountain and then go inside and we follow her. And, and it's strange that she's living these weird encounters with these three lovers, one who's her current husband, one who is a lover who's supposedly dead, and another who seems to be kind of like a... a a very sadistic uh, lover who has a daughter, which kind of mirrors her in a way. So it's super crazy and super weird. And uh, it's just so much stuff going on that you, a second, third, fourth viewing, you would pick stuff on, pick stuff up on. Uh, and there's a circular uh, storyline, of course, all weird movies like that have yeah. to have the circular thing. Uh, but the ending actually hurt me. Like it made me sick. <laughs> It made me sick to my stomach, where it was like, oh, my God. I was she, like, I couldn't believe that. Mm -hmm. like, like, she goes through, um, like, various hallucinations, and the movie plays with you, like, is this a hallucination? Is this real? Um, and it, it'll keep it dragging for some time, and, like, the anticipation really got to me, at least. And, and what they do brilliantly is at one point, uh, they'll just switch. Like, yeah. this actor's talking, and then it cuts back to him, and he's the other lover. And you're just like, wait, what's going on? Who's who? What? I don't know what's going on. They, but, they swap the names out on one scene. It's yes. the same guy, but they, we're calling them different names. And uh, they say that Robert Altman loved to do this kind of stuff. Is uh, The actors, like, Suzanne York plays the lead. But in the movie, her name is, what, Catherine? And then uh, the actress who plays the little girl's name, Catherine. So they switch their names here and there and stuff like that. Uh, they switch some of the actors. I love the the performance of the husband. I think he is comical but endearing. And uh, he's annoying and sometimes uh, doesn't understand what she's going through. I don't think anybody could. But he is an interesting and funny character. He repeats himself a lot. There's a moment where he's looking for the vermouth. Son of a bitch, where's the vermouth? <laughs> And then she drops. I dropped the vermouth. Son of a bitch, Carol. <laughs> it's, it's it's funny. It's funny. It's terrifying. It's beautiful. It's mind-bending. Just a damn good movie. I would give it four out of five, but if I watched it again, I'd probably give it five out of five. I just don't have any negatives to say about it. it it's... Use Music's great, too. It's by John mm -hmm. frickin' Williams. But what they did was they incorporated this uh, Japanese artist, those big... Like that. They incorporated that in there to like make oh. it real jarring. And I think it works well. Oh yeah, it's it, it's a beautiful movie. I I loved it. I'd, I'd watch it again, honestly. Oh yeah, very good, very unique, loaded with features. Looks good, sounds good. Uh, I, I no complaints here. Arrow always does a great job, and uh, this is probably one of my favorite discoveries. Man, Arrow's been on the ball lately. Scalpel was great. This was great. 
Scalpel, scalpel was the one with the Southern Gothic storyline with the uh, oh, yeah. plastic surgeon. So mm-hmm. both these movies have been tremendous. There's been a bunch of other stuff too. Highly recommend Images. I can't say enough good things about it. shot off the goddamn gun? I don't know. Who shot off the goddamn shotgun in the goddamn house? It wasn't loaded, that's for sure. Who loaded it? Well, I didn't load it. You want me dead? Make me dead. You're dead. Now just stay dead. Do I scare you? I am a ghost. Call me just now. No. I thought I heard you talking to someone. Oh, I was talking to myself. I, I do quite often. I do quite often. I do quite often. The next one here is from Code Red. Yeah, I had not seen this. I've always wanted to see it. It was Panic with David Warbeck and uh, Janet Argan from uh, Eat Alive and uh, City of the Living Dead. But you guys know David Warbeck as well. Beyond, uh, the Beyond, uh, Black Cat, Rat Man. Yeah, David, uh, The Last Hunter. David Warbeck's got, you know, fistful of dynamite. He's got he's got a nice little career on him. Uh, and Panic, yeah. <laughs> this is an Italian horror movie I hadn't seen that kind of follows this uh, melting man that goes around and kills people. 
Oh boy, this is a weird one. The title Panic makes the movie suggest that this is like a big contamination panic, and that's what they're going for, but it just doesn't really make any sense. Their science is really muddled. It's really silly. Uh, this whole movie is absurd. But what we have here is a guy who's working on guinea pigs and rats, and uh, something goes wrong. This stuff flies in his face, and he becomes this, this melty, bubbly monster that goes around and slashes this town and puts them in a panic. Yeah, that's the story. Uh... I enjoy it. It's fun. It's not winning any awards of any sort. Uh, Warbeck's okay, as always. He's dubbed. I'm not sure if he dubbed his own voice. It doesn't particularly look like it. For an Italian horror film, uh, the picture quality is solid. I know that a lot of these prints, they work with what they got, and they worked fairly well with what they had here. It looks good to me, uh, especially for this lower-budget movie. Uh, it, it is very silly. There's a couple moments of gore in here, and uh, when the monster shrieks and howls, you kind of feel sorry for him, and you're absolutely terrified of him at the same time. At the end, they go for this sympathy kind of universal monsters deal, but I'm not sure if it works. Uh, it is it is laughable at times, but it's always cheesy and fun at the same time as well. With the panic stuff, they're always going for this kind of... Uh, you know, don't close that beach jaws mentality where it's the government's fault or the, the people in position's fault or the panic. It, the panic stuff is nonsense. The monster stuff is fun. At the end, they have these guys ready to drop a bomb and, <laughs> and their dubbing is particularly awful. Um, if you love Italian horror films like me, I, I would give it a recommendation. It's not perfect. It's not going to win any awards, like I said. It is cheesy. It's, uh, it's fairly bloody. It is essentially a slasher movie. There is some shots here and there. Uh, but it's worth checking out. There is a trailer reel on here. That's all that the film has for features of some Paul Nashy, uh, movies that are getting released by Code Red, Seven Bloodstained Orchids. That's all they has. Uh, over, overall, it's a fun, stupid movie. That's not going to win, uh, many over, but, uh, if you like that sort of thing, like, uh, a third rate, Incredible Melting Man, I didn't know that Incredible Melting Man could be third rate. I guess it's on the caliber of Incredible Melting Man style. Uh, he's not exactly melting, but he's bubbly and gross and, uh, he's in a similar vein. There's an emergency in the laboratory and a serious risk of contamination. Have the emergency squad sent here right away. Repeat. Serious risk of contamination. Close all safety doors. Only the emergency squad is to enter the laboratory. Notify Professor Adams and Professor Vince at once. Apply all measures of maximum security.
one here is the weekly western we're going back to the john wayne set yeah which has the searchers in it i you know chose to watch the next big movie out of here by howard hawks 1959 rio bravo rio bravo is a movie that um growing up it was on tv every day of my life my dad never passed it up when it was on television i'm sure i've seen this movie before this time a hundred times in bits and pieces and that 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 just shouldn't sit well with me i understand that i you know you sit down you watch 20 minutes here you get up you get up there uh howard hawks and john ford are like the guys that everybody loves at further western movies they're like the iconic western american directors uh, or uh, yeah and uh, Rio Bravo is a huge uh, film. Again, it wasn't critically loved when it came out, similar to The Searchers, which came out three years prior. Uh, and this is kind of, if you watch the features, this is John Wayne trying to reinvent himself in the Western genre again, and Howard uh, Hawks coming back to America after a stint in Europe and uh, trying to, you know, get back into the American uh, film industry. Um, yeah, this follows the story of a sheriff and his deputy, Dean Martin, and his other deputy, Walter Brennan, who play, <laughs> who plays a crippled. Uh, Dean Martin plays this uh, rec- this drunk who's trying to get you know his his uh, masculinity back, his manhood back, his you know his uh, skills back. Uh, John Wayne in this movie is tremendous. Anybody says John Wayne can't actor, he plays the same character. I, I wouldn't say that. In the Searchers, you have uh, Ethan, who is this this brutal vendetta kind of guy, cruel, scary. In this one, you have uh, John T. Chance. Uh, John Wayne plays this uh, patriarch uh, character. He's quiet, he's stern, but he's also funny. And there is a a genuine concern for people in there. Uh, Not to mention that uh, the Duke's comic timing in this movie is dead on. Uh, Real Bravo is a very funny movie, to be honest. Uh, and uh, that really helps with uh, the the pacing of the movie. It is over two hours long, and it's not an epic. So that's really cool that uh, this movie has this comedy element, but it's not. It, it fits with the movie. It fits with the characters. It's not a necessarily a comedy. It's a movie with comedy in it to make you like the characters, to make you understand the characters, and to have the relationships with these characters. If you go through life 90% of the time being serious, Nobody cares to see you. Nobody wants to be around you. And when you when you know people well, you're more relaxed. You, you joke around. Even if it's tense, there's com- comedic elements in here. And that's exactly what's going on here. What happens is in, uh, they arrest this guy who, who is a murderer, but he is the brother of a famous kind of... Uh, uh, rancher this guy owns tons of property he has a lot of power uh he basically bottlenecks this town so where they're kind of isolated nobody can get in really nobody can get out and they have to wait for the uh, u.s marshals to come pick this guy up but uh the town is surrounded by goons every everywhere looking to get the drop on dean martin and john wayne and walter brennan uh in the meantime as well uh john wayne starts to fall in love with this girl who's traveling through who might be a you know a criminal herself kind of this poker uh this poker player and uh, there, there's a nice little relationship going on there. Uh, what, what cracks me up is the dialogue in here. As they say in the special features, uh, you know, Howard Hawks is one of the first guys to do the overlapping dialogue, if not the first. And uh, the the way this is done, like, 
I, I'm not saying like I, I acted some stuff. You guys know that. And uh, the way they do the dialogue in here, the way it's staged with the uh, Mexican character and John Wayne going back and forth and cutting each other off, and with Angie Dickinson and John Wayne, it, it, it's hard. You can tell it's hard, and they just seem to do it with ease. They're professional actors, and they're great. Um, I, I love that stuff in here. It, it's just really uh, funny. It's really uh, well done, and it's it, it's just brilliant to be honest. I, I really like that the movie opens up as Peter Bodanovich on the special features says. He says the movie opens up five minutes without dialogue. That that works really well. It sets the movie up visually, uh, visual story, visual storytelling, and uh, you know they don't do that that much anymore. I also think for 1959, I think that the actors are acting more uh, modern than one would suggest. Uh, you know, they are movie stars, and you know, some people think that a lot of movie stars don't typically act like real people or are more modern. I think the acting felt real to me. Uh, Walter Brennan had me in stitches the whole damn movie. He's just never happy. He's always complaining. He's just, it, it, it's really fun. There's lots of good shootouts as well in here. Uh, and uh, to believe it or not, a 52, I believe, year old John Wayne is agile as a goddamn cat when he's jumping around. It, it's kind of surprising. It's just, I've been, I, I've always liked John Wayne. It's just, uh, growing up, I've seen his movies on TV. TV a million times, and I have a handful of movies I've seen with him in it. I just haven't really like looked at these with a critical eye ever. It's just it was just part of part of being there and watching these. I'm just like, man, the Duke is awesome. I just never gave him really the credit that I think he obviously I liked him, but it's just watching this these performances and stuff like that. I just I think I under, I understand a little bit more and watching this. It's just such a good movie. I guess that Howard Hawks would go ahead and remake this movie twice: once with Rio Lobo and once with uh, what is it, uh, El Hondo. Uh, I've not seen those. I'm definitely gonna check them out. My grandfather always wanted these. Like, why is Real Bravo always on TV? I want to see Rio Lobo again. He would always complain about that. Uh, my, of course, my whole family was big John Wayne fans growing up. So, I mean, I think almost every American over 40 loves John Wayne. So, um, you know, it's a very good movie with uh, actually some nice features on this release. There's a commentary w involving John Carpenter, which was great to hear. Show him his love for Howard Hawks, which he remade one of his movies later on, uh, The Thing. Uh, it's not necessarily a remake, but, you know, the original thing from another world. And uh, also has interviews in here with Angie Dickinson, Walter Hill, the director, Peter Bodanovich, and John Carpenter talking about how much they like the movie. And uh, they get pretty in-depth. Peter Bodanovich actually spent some time with Howard Hawks. He said, man, he's one of the coolest guys ever. Uh, this stuff is great. Uh, I think that the picture quality looks great. When you watch the old features and they show like what they had on DVD, uh, the Blu-ray knocks it out of the park. I think it looks much better. Uh, but uh, yeah, really loved it. Highly recommended. Anybody that's ever seen it would never say anything bad about it, I don't think. But uh, I just, you know, want to shed some light on it and kind of gush about how cool it was to actually uh, watch all the whole way through, paying attention, not being a kid. But uh, real bravo. It's obviously a winner. <laughs> thundering story of raw courage against overwhelming odds and its once-in-a-lifetime combination of today's hottest star names. You've seen nothing like them together and here at Rio Bravo, nothing can tear them apart. Not even a thank you do I get. Maybe you're right, Stumpy. Huh? You're a treasure. Well, <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without you. <laughs> well, I... 
You're tired, aren't you, John T? You fix you a nice hot bath. All I want is a drink. Then uh, this is all I can do for you. I told him you were one of the best. I'll tell you what I'm a lot better at, Mr. Wheeler. That's minding my own business. No offense, Sheriff. Where are you going? Get your hands off. I said, where are you going? You got no use for a man you can't depend on. One bad night and I'm done for. Better go easy on that stuff. At least three you have. Yep. You'd be lying because that's what I am, a, a soft-headed idiot. There isn't any other explanation for staying around here and inviting myself into this. Around the bend. Around the bend. She'll be waiting. She'll be waiting. For my rifle pony and me. For my rifle, my pony and me. This has been one of the few peaceful scenes from the picture Rio Bravo with John Wayne, Dean Martin, and Walter Brennan here. And a new girl, Angie Dickinson. Tell him about Ricky Nelson. Oh, yeah, that's me. Come and see us. Deserves got nothing to do with it. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. Okay, the pick movie of the week was uh, Going Down the Road, the original. This has both on there. I only watched the original from 1970. This is uh, a Canadian cult film that I had never heard of. Uh, I don't even know what you'd categorize it as. A drama, crime, comedy movie? A uh, slice of life? I don't know. This is a weird movie. We have these two kind of, I guess, uh, they're from a small town in Canada. Um, and they have uh, stars in their eyes. They go to Toronto. They're going to make it big. They're going to get a great job. They're delusional. They're bizarre. They're kind of screw-ups. They're drunks. And uh, we follow these two kind of... Half-wits? Half-wit losers. <laughs> I don't know if it's just supposed to be a depressing comedy or what. Go through their life and just make terrible decisions. This is actually taken from a print, so the quality is not spectacular. And I'm not sure if it's the out-of-shot focus is because it's budget or because of the print where they got it from. So there's that, too. It's not. It doesn't look phenomenal. It doesn't look awful, but some of the moments it looks very, very out-of-focused. Well, they, they say at the beginning of the movie that the the film quality and the sound are a product of its time, which I don't even know what that means. That means it was low budget and it's probably been sitting in a, a, a warehouse somewhere rotting. Probably nothing but, they could do, yeah. Probably not. But uh, for what it is, it, it looks pretty good. Uh, I, I don't really know what to say about this movie. I don't have many... Uh, positive things i know it's a cult movie i understand there's lots of slice of life moment movies that like i would say hard times is a slice of life but it's interesting characters it's characters i like to watch I don't need to like them but i like to i, I want to be able to watch them and these guys are just pathetic like and that's i guess the point and i'm not sure what the movie's trying to say is to say that the big city's horrible and it'll eat you up or that you know the people from this small town area are just scum scummy people or bad people i don't know what the message is here but uh the lead guy is a very selfish he's very uh 
what's the word? Not obsessive, but uh, controlling. Controlling. Not controlling. He is controlling, but he's possessive over his friend. Not in a sexual way. He's just possessive over his friend. Like, he must do all these things. for You can't leave. He tells the guy to leave his pregnant girlfriend. All sorts of things like that. And eventually it leads to these guys uh, jobless and looking and committing crime. And I just... I don't know what this was going for. You? Yeah, they kind of, like, take turns, like, dragging each other down, like... Yes, yes, they're both just kind of dragging each other down, and it's just, like, watching them be in their self-pity, and it, it's it's depressing. And uh, th- if I had to explain this movie, I guess that's the point. And maybe I'm not seeing the point, and maybe I just don't like it because I'm not seeing it. Someone could explain this to me. I just don't particularly like watching these characters. They're not interesting. They're miserable. And it's aggravating watching them do stupid things. <laughs> but this movie is literally, if you're ever young and you get drunk and you just have a hangover really sick all day and you regret your decisions and you feel like a big piece of crap. That's yeah. what you feel like. And at first, maybe it is kind of comedic at times. Like they're in the factory, they're going out drinking, and, and then you just watch these people just drink their lives away and make terrible decisions. Uh, what I liked about it is SCTV, uh, <laughs> you know, the Canadian answer to SNL. Uh, filled with a bunch of very uh, famous comedians, uh, John Candy, Joe Flattery, Harold Ramis, Eugene Levy, uh, Catherine O'Hara, a bunch of other people. I actually made a skit about it, and I actually had one of the women who's in this movie in the skit, uh, Jane Eastwood, I believe that was her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the skit's great. It's about 11 minutes long. And uh, the music, the music choices in the original movie are kind of like folk movie mm-hmm. music. Very, very uh, power, strong choices they made, and that's probably the best part of the movie is the music. And uh, SCTV uses this really silly song, uh, There's a Rainbow in Toronto, and they keep singing it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so weird that uh, the movies like these guys, the original movie is like, well, let's go get jobs. There's tons of jobs in Toronto. But in the SCTV skit, uh, there are just all these like high paying jobs. Like I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a neurosurgeon. And they're going to Toronto to look for jobs. It's super weird. I don't even know the point of that. But, uh, you know, I'm not really a fan of going down the road. It's just bothersome and not, not not fun to watch and i know every movie doesn't need to be fun to watch i love 70s exploitation movies i love 70s downbeat movies uh images isn't fun to watch at times it, it's it's fun to watch the camera and what they do with it but i mean it has its moments of hor- horrific stuff it's just interesting this is this just doesn't interest me i'm sorry i'm sorry i wish i liked it i just don't you yeah it, it couldn't keep my attention like i i I don't know. It just kind of drug on a bit too long. Like, it would sit on somebody's face for, like, three minutes out of focus, and nothing would happen, no dialogue. I mean, I think it is as popular because it's a Canadian low-budget movie, and there wasn't really anything like that being made in Canada at the time. And I can understand that being the first is something that no one... You're always going to be the first. You're always going to be remembered for that. <sighs> you know. But, um... <sighs> I just, just yeah. the two the two leads in the movie. One looks like the tall, skinny California raisin, <laughs> and the other looks like uh, Mangala from Surf Nazis Must Die. But the guy from the the, the other lead, uh, not the raisins guy, isn't a bunch of Clint Eastwood stuff. He's not Law Josie Wales, so he's he's a fairly famous actor. And uh, this director actually went on to do more movies, and it was co-written by William Fruitt, who did like Death Weekend and uh, Funeral, a bunch of other stuff, Spasms. I believe he did uh, Funeral Home, yeah. But he did uh, a bunch of stuff, Spasms with Oliver Reed, Death Weekend with Don Stroud, which is a really cool uh, rape revenge movie, actually. So he didn't direct this one, but he wrote it, so. You know what it made me think of, and I didn't see it when we were watching it. Um, I can't think of the title. We watched it a long time ago. Is it? Is it Shell Shock? Combat Shock? 
Combat Shock. Like, it's really depressing. Uh, it's like, I think it's like a war vet. Yeah, that's he has Combat like the Shock. Yeah. I love Combat Shock. Combat Shock is like the Vietnam eraser pad. Yeah. It, it was like, it, imagine watching that movie, but without the payoff or without any sort of like contention. Or just, without the Nintendo 8-bit soundtrack. Yeah, just, just <laughs> some, it, it's like two hours of just kind of like, oh, God. I don't why? think it's necessarily an unwatchable movie. I it's just, not unwatchable. I think it, it's interesting, but it doesn't interest me. It's a very low energy movie and low energy. The, the acting's fine. The yeah. acting is is acting feels fine. real. Yeah. It all feels real, especially it, the side characters. Yeah, it feels legit. Um, just it doesn't go anywhere. It's a hangover of a movie. Yeah. That'll be 4807, sir. Oh, um, you shouldn't have rung it right up. You know, we're together. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Um, I'll start taking these things out to the car. Okay, Ralph? And, uh, you settle up with him. Oh, um, I'll just take this out and, um, I'll, I'll come back well, and I'll uh, pay. Well, here, let me give you a hand. No, 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 it's all right. There's no trouble. It's fine. No trouble. It's all right. If you uh, want to be entered in the Pick a Movie, as always, just leave a comment on the Screaming Toilet uh, link below. Say, enter me in the Pick a Movie, or just leave it on YouTube. I'll find it. Let's see who's going to win this one. Uh, Nick, Nick Mua is going up next. I don't remember the movie he picked, but I, I have it all saved and everything. Let's see who's going to win this one. We have Adam Weber again, who picked Carnage Park last time. Congrats, Adam. Uh, let me know what you want to pick. And let's get into the Q&A. James Grimmer, I'm sorry I missed your question last time, but here it is. Do you give a movie a second chance if you didn't like it after seeing it the first time? I have found that with rewatching a movie, my opinion can change on it, and I think that is because I wasn't in the mood for it when I first watched it. 
I completely agree. Or sometimes you'll go back after five, ten years, and you'll notice things. You're like, man, I do not like this anymore. There's a handful of movies I do not think I would like at all if I rewatched them. And there's other stuff that I'm thinking like, everybody loves that movie, and I don't like it. I've got to be wrong. I'm just wrong. I just need to revisit it. Um, yeah, I, I do agree that mood can ruin a movie sometimes if you're in a bad mindset. Do you tend to watch something if you're in the mood for it, or do you sort of plan out what's going to watch for reviews? I do watch some stuff for reviews, but every once in a while I'll get a hankering, like Panic, that showed up, and I was just like, I'm going to watch Panic. I haven't seen a good Italian horror flick in a long time that I haven't seen. So, you know, it's 50-50. Nick, if you had to lend your face to merchandise, what product would you prefer? Anything that would give me something I like for free. Chicken wings? Lifetime supply of chicken wings? Or something like a... Ooh, bottled water? Because then you just would never, ever have to buy bottled water again? I'm thinking as a cheap person. I'm not thinking as, like, a you know, ethical standpoint here. I'm just not, I'm just thinking of trying to get stuff like that. Like, huh, if I have to, my face has to be on something, I better enjoy it myself, and they'll probably hook me up. You've done fun and freaky stuff on camera, but how much is too much? Uh, real uh, mutilation to your body? Real self-harm to you or someone else? I mean, sometimes you get carried away in an action role or a movie and you'll like move and punch and somebody might get hurt or somebody might get choked on accident for real a little bit sometimes when you get extreme. I know that uh, Giovanni Ridici, the actor, said, you know, you know, uh, so-and-so in City of the Living Dead wasn't a real actor. Was it Luigi Pistelli, somebody like that, because they hurt him? And uh, sometimes you get into it. Maybe I'm not a real actor. I know that we, uh, in uh, Rip, we're doing, like, fight choreograph where we're, like, picking each other up. and Well, he's picking me up and, and stuff like that. But I know sometimes you get carried away. But real mutilation, like Bunny Game, that's too much. That's not a movie anymore. Or real sex, you know. I understand if there's a couple in there. Real sex doesn't not make it a real movie to me, but uh, I wouldn't personally do it unless it was, you know, somebody I was in a relationship with on camera. But real sex with people you're not in a relationship with and uh, real mutilation or really hurting people and stuff like that, that just crosses the line to me. It's just like you're not making a movie anymore. You're just making it for real. I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but sometimes, you know, it, it, it's good to have like a certain sense of guerrilla filmmaking to it. Like I like stealing shots. I like going out and shooting it out in the bow and it looks dangerous. I like that kind of stuff. But when you're just like cutting yourself for real, it's like, this is just not right. Adam Weber, what can you tell me about Stalker, the Polish film? I believe it is. What sort of film is it akin to? I actually never watched Stalker. I know it's just got a criterion. I had the other release. I know it's very long. It's very sci-fi. It's very bizarre. And uh, some people love it. Some people hate it. Christopher Dallier, question. What movies would you like to see on Blu-ray that currently are not? Uh, Martin? That would be a great one. I'd love to see Martin, The Supernaturals. I just reviewed a bit of Blood Salvage. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of the Hong Kong stuff, Untold Story, Ebola Syndrome, Red to Kill, stuff like that. Some stuff I haven't seen that's on Hong Kong Blu-ray that I, I'd like to check out for the first time. What are your favorite movies that no one ever talks about or hidden gems, so to speak? Uh, I always talk about every chance I get. Columbus. I love Columbus, and I love the item. Every chance I get to talk about those are two I don't hear any love for. Um, Skinned Alive. I know some people have seen it, but I love the Tempe's movie, Skin Alive. Bloodletting, I'm sure people talk about, but those are the ones I, I just have a deep love for that I think are hidden hidden gems. And uh, Robot Ninja as well. I, I'm not sure if they're obscure anymore. Timothy Hayes. Dave, how did you get into acting? Basically, you know, I was reviewing, and as a kid, I always liked to act uh, with my cousin and do skits and just be characters and do nonsense. I had high school drama classes. But uh, as a reviewer and stuff, you know... Uh, 
I realized that my friend Dustin, we met at a convention. I was like, oh, you're from Toledo. I'm from Toledo. I saw that one of his movies. I was like, I know that person in that movie. That was a friend of mine. And it, we started talking and I was like, you know, if you ever need anybody for a small role, you're, you're screwed. I can come in and help. Like somebody drops out. And that's what I did. I did it for a collection, a movie, the collection, like volume seven or something came in for a short. I guess we got along very well. He had me for bath salts, Easter casket, and then we just became really good friends. And I just come in whenever he calls me. Do you like teen sex comedies at all? I love Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, more of the modern ones I didn't really get into, you know. I like them just fine. Revenge of the Nerds movies are some of my favorites, though, the first two. This might be a bit before your time, since you're a bit younger than me, but did you ever watch USA Up All Night with Rhonda Shear and Gilbert Godfrey? Uh, no, it was a little before my time. I did used to watch Monster Vision, though. John Wilhelm, cover artwork on a movie release is key. What are some of your favorites? I talk about it all the time. Neon Maniacs. Love that cover art where they're peering around the, the labels. I adore the Return of the Dead Part 2 cover art. Like I said that last time, it's one of my favorites. Uh, there's so many good cover arts. Uh, I love the Return of the Dead Part 1 cover art. I love the zombie. Just so simplistic. Just that gross zombie on the front smiling. But Originally, when you watch it, like to see the cover, you're like, you don't think he's like just coming up from the grave to bite. You're like, is that zombie smiling? It looks so cheesy and so gross at the same time. Uh, that's one I love. What are some other ones that just always caught my attention? Anytime you see a house in the background with like the warm glow in the windows, but like something creepy, dark and blue in the front, like the warm glow in the windows, like the offspring with the house and the creatures ripping through it. These are just posters I have on my walls that I always liked. Uh, Always adored the Spookies, uh, the Spookies one, stuff like that. You know, I just I, cover arts are key, to be honest. I, I love that. But let's get into the uh, Q and A. Lots of great questions this time, guys. Thanks a lot. We only have three. I mean, let's get into the update. Three movies. We have Love Butcher, which I've never seen. I got this used on eBay. Uh, for, as far as the features are, an audio commentary by director Doug Jones, moderated by R. A. The Rugged Man. And uh, the funny thing about uh, Doug Jones is there's two directors named Doug Jones. I made this mistake before. I thought the movie Murder Lost was directed by the same Doug Jones. It is not. There's two different Doug Jones. They're on Internet Movie Database. It is incorrect. They're two different guys. Uh, you know, uh, this Doug Jones did a lot more movies than the other Doug Jones. But Murder Lost is a, is a great movie from Intervision. But uh, this Doug Jones from Love Butcher, he did a bunch of other stuff as well. I've not seen that movie. I have the DVD. But then we have uh, Tamlin, which was an olive release. Uh, this is the only movie that Roddy McDowell directed. I don't think there's any features on this release, but yeah. And then finally, this is pretty cheap. It is The Misery from Scream Factory. I have not seen this in years. Rob Reiner movie. To see my slip covers rip, but last time I sent it back to get a new one, I'm not. I don't really care that much about slip covers. Uh, I didn't get a slip cover, so rip slip covers better than no slip cover. But the special features here, they got a bunch of stuff. They got a brand new 4K restoration from original film elements, interview with director Rob Reiner, interview with special effects artist Greg Nicotero, audio commentary with Rob Reiner, audio commentary with screenwriter Roland Goldman, Misery Loves Company featurette, Mark Shaman's musical Mis Misery Tour featurette, diagnosing Annie Wilkes featurette, advice for the stalked featurette, profile of a stalker featurette, Celebrity Stalkers feature it, Anti-Stalking Loss feature it, and Trailers. That is a lot, man. I haven't seen this in years. This is a really good movie, if I remember correctly. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, James Caan and uh, Kathy Bates. Uh, did get, that made Kathy Bates a star, but it's uh, two great actors uh, in a movie that's uh, pretty damn great, pretty uh, unique, and uh, a Stephen King classic, I guess I'll say. But uh, I appreciate you watching uh, the videos and everything. If you have comments, concerns, uh, uh, you know, leave a comment. Let me know how to improve. Let let me know to get better. Uh, make suggestions. Also, uh, the more you spread this, the more you uh, interact with me, the more I'll put into it, the more we'll both get out of it, hopefully. But uh, thank you. And as always, you guys have a good one.